0: We lived just a few hundred yards from the church down at Sylvan there. I don't know if we ever drove, always walked across the road. And I think of calves coming in the spring and a nice beautiful morning like this. and, And just the atmosphere of the message of Easter. It's a bittersweet message how because of our fallen nature and what we are and we we grieve over these things sometimes, but this is why we need a Savior and this is why the story is so precious to us. I'll read, I'm sure I've taken this text before, I'll read from the 12th chapter of John, 23rd verse through 2, the end of the 36th verses. That's the Gospel of John, chapter 12, 23 to 36, reading these words in Jesus' name. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it, said that it thundered. Others said, An angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now is the prince of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out, and I, if I be lifted up from earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. The people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou, the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have the light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed, and he'd hide himself from them. Amen. Greetings of grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father. And from our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ be multiplied unto each one gathered this morning here, now and forever. Amen. We see just before this, and I didn't read it, because I honestly don't know how to make a text out of it, and that's not anybody's problem but my own. But it, it talks about how Jesus came into how he came into Jerusalem. I believe it's in the ninth chapter of Luke, um, where Jesus Jesus was headed for Jerusalem. It says, "It came to pass when the time was come." that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. I don't understand all, the, all of what's behind that, but <clears throat> he was headed for Jerusalem. And he was headed for, you know, in, in this natural sense of the word, not, not too great a things he had to give his life. It says, on the next day, this is, well, I better read a little before here. Much people people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there and they came out not for Jesus' sake only, but they might, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted how they might put Lazarus to death. They were going to put an end to this nonsense, as they thought it was, because that by reason of him many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. On the next day... Much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And, <coughs> excuse me. and Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon, at his, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first, but when Jesus was glorified... Then remember they that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. It's interesting how their minds and their memories were, were blanked out for, for a time. And Jesus even said for the people do not say too much about his miracles and many things he did. Just let them be what they are. And, and then he said when he rises from the dead... These things will come to your remembrance, and we see, we see Mary at the coming, coming to the graveyard, and thinking that Jesus was the gardener, a caretaker of the of the the uh, gar, the uh, graveyard, and we see the two disciples on the way to Emmaus. They didn't recognize him. Mary didn't recognize him until he called her name. They didn't recognize him until, until he broke bread in their presence. He, was, he, he had come back from the dead by that time. And we understand that only those that believed knew him or saw him. He, he had to reveal himself to them. He could have said the same words and done the same thing in the presence of unbelieving people and they didn't know who he was. They didn't recognize this to be the son of, of God. So the people did the best they could by spreading other places. It says that they spread clothing in front of him and these palm branches. These palm branches are, are a sign I believe I've read in the, in the uh, Bible. Dictionary that they're a sign of of royalty or or uh, of applause, applauding royalty, and we see in in Zechariah how how it says that. says rejoice greatly o daughter of zion shout o daughter of jerusalem behold thy king cometh unto thee he is just and having salvation lowly and riding upon a, on a upon an ass and upon the colt the foal of an ass and then it goes on to say what he is and who he is that he's going he's going to be doing these things when he when he comes we know that he, he accomplished and performed many miracles when he was here, but the work that he accomplished in, in the, the dying on the cross and rising again is the greatest work of all. The, and I, I don't put down any of his work, but you might say that there's been much more work done after he left this world than, than the 33 years while he was here. While he was here, he was establishing the foundation of all his work. It says that when, when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they these things that were written of him and and that they had done these things unto him. So Jesus, immediately after he comes into Jerusalem, he says, this text that I read, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. And just a couple of chapters back, in the eighth chapter it says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. We know that if if one person says something, well, it's, it's nice to have others that could back him up. And they're sort of saying this to Jesus, that you're, you seem to be the only one bearing, bearing record of yourself, which we know is quite all right, because Jesus is the Son of God, and Jesus is God. We read that, that the fullness of God dwells in the Lord Jesus Christ. All that, all that God is and does and says and understands and believes and knows is manifest in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the mediator between God and man. Jesus says to them the Pharisees though I bear record of myself yet my record is true for I know whence I came and whither I go but ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go ye judge after the flesh I judge no man we see that there, there. I'll just speak for myself and say that it would be easy to say there's a controversy when when Jesus says he didn't come here to judge the world and then Later on it says that, that, that he does judge. And, but what it does say that I miss is that he didn't come here for this reason. He, he came to save the world. Because, and, and then he, he also says of his judgment that, that it's not him doing it. He says, I, I speak what the Father gives me to speak. I speak what I hear, he says. All that, all that he did and all that he spoke, was given to him of the father and he was we might say the picture of obedience in in saying and doing those things that the father had for him to to say and do and yet if i judge my judgment is true for i am not alone but i and the father that sent me It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that beareth witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. If we know him, we know the Father. And if we know the Father, we know him, Jesus is is saying these words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple and no man laid hands on him for his hour was not yet come I want to stress that because the first few words in here it says the hour is come that the son of man should be glorified here it says for his hour was not yet come then said Jesus again to them I go my way and ye shall seek me and ye shall die in your sins, whither I go ye cannot come. Then the Jews said, then said the Jews, will he kill himself? So their minds are going and and wondering how this is going to, is he going to take his own life? How, how is this going to happen? We can see that, and I, I guess even these days, when things happen that are, So against this word of God, I come to this conclusion, and I hope, I hope it's, I hope it's right, that maybe these people don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't have that guidance of, of this Comforter in their hearts, guiding them into all truth. We see many things happening, especially in the in the Christian world. So they, their minds are saying, will he kill himself? Because he said, whither I go, ye cannot come. He, said, he says unto them, ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not in me, if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Pretty, Pretty hard and fast words. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make that call and say they very likely didn't have the Holy Spirit, these people that he was dealing with. So Jesus Jesus says the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. The time is the time is here. And we know that in this everyday world we live in, we're always watching the clock. And it's time to get up, and it's time to eat, and it's time to go do chores, and and, and it's time to put the crop in, and it's time to go to work and whatever. I always go by the clock. Time is ticking away. Jesus says, and we know that God is timeless. God doesn't doesn't need a watch or a clock hanging on the wall. He does things when He does things. But Jesus knew that the time was up for him, being, being on this work, on this earth, and his work was coming to a close. This work that was, we might say, the hardest thing to bear, impossible for us to imagine, that he gave his life that we might enjoy the gift of eternal life, the hope, the hope of eternal life as we live out our days here. And then that cries at the end when that new day dawns and Jesus judges all, all of mankind and he says to those that have been given faith to believe, come you blessed of the Father. we will spend eternity with him in glory and in beauty and in in his majesty verily verily I say unto you except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die it abideth alone but if it die it bringeth forth much fruit this is the, the beauty of the way God in a natural sense has regenerated all living things in this earth they're still discovering plants and animals and fishes and, and things we would think this late in time it would all be recorded and documented in full but it just shows shows us in a small way how, how large and huge and big God is and, and great he is so he takes a simple thing like planting a seed and he says, unless this seed is put into the ground and dies, it, it simply sits there stagnant. And we hear about the pyramids in Egypt, I think, of and how they found wheat there. And it's, Napoleon told his men, when, when the French armies marched past those pyramids, Back in the early 1800s, I believe it was, he said those noble words that 4,000 years of history looks down upon you. So these bushels or whatever they are of wheat that have been in these pyramids, they they sit there and as Jesus says, unless they're put into the ground and die. These these kernels are still alive if, if conditions are right. They'll last almost indefinitely. They can't get too wet or or too hot, or you cook them or something that kills the seed. But if they're kept in in the right conditions, they last indefinitely. And it's it's another one of the miracles that God has has set in, in order in this world. And and us, those of us that are into farming, wonder why it has to be that way. But a. Uh, uh, a weed seed, we understand, can, can lay in the ground for 17 years, I've heard, and if conditions are not right, it just sits and sits and sits, and then when conditions are right, you got your weeds growing again. So we don't like that part of it, but we do like the part that we can store seed over the winter and put it in the ground and have a crop the next year. So Jesus explains this with a very, very simple uh, message that comes to anyone who's planted a seed of any kind except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die it abideth alone, but if it die it bringeth forth much fruit. We know that Jesus is likened unto that corn of wheat that is put into the ground and dies. And the whole Easter story is is uh, woven in in that little message he that loveth his life shall lose it Jesus says here uh, a few couple of verses later now is my soul troubled and what shall I say father save me from this hour did he love his life not to that point Not to that extent. It says, He that loveth his life shall lose it. Jesus expresses that. That if it could be some other way, and we know especially in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays three times. Could it be some other way? Do I have to drink of this bitter cup? This cup, I believe, represents the wrath of God. And the wrath of God comes on man because of sin comes as a package I hate to say it so Jesus expresses this he that loveth his life shall lose it his will was that if it could be some other way that that's what he would want but he says nevertheless not my will, but thy will, he says in the Garden of Gethsemane. Here he says, He that loveth his life shall lose it. Nothing will come of it. It will be lost. All will be lost. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. As I said earlier, we 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 grieve and and mourn even for for the condition of our nature and our creature. But in this story of salvation, we don't have to stay there. Jesus knows who we are. He he knows what we are. He knows what flesh is. He experienced temptation as we do. But he was given that gift and that heart and that mind to do the will of the Heavenly Father, to be obedient to this will of the Heavenly Father. And he hated his life that way, his natural side in this world. He was tired as we are tired of being tempted. He didn't fall for any of the temptations as we do. Often we fall and we fail. But there's a light here. And there's a prize. And it says, if we hate our life in this world, we shall keep it unto eternal life. We're going to pass from mortal to immortal to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus and God and all those millions and millions and billions who have been able to believe as they walk through this life. If any man serve me, let him follow me and where I am. There shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. There's a blessing there. Blessing in, in walking and following after our Master as best we can. As best as we understand, as best as we can follow this word. The, the, very, the, the simplest definition of a child of God or a Christian is, is one who would have that desire to follow after our Lord and our Savior. And when we hear the world, I think Claire mentioned it last Sunday, and I I know exactly what he was saying, we hear the world speaking and possibly making fun of or mocking this, this word or our Lord and Savior, and inside, I, I've never had the strength to say it, but inside I would like to burst out with that in some time some of those times and say that you're talking about my Saviour. Be careful what you're saying about him. If any man serve me, him will my father honour. It's incentive for us to strive to believe and to walk and to live a life that would be an honor to our Heavenly Father. Jesus says, now is my soul troubled. Because this hour has come, we might say there's a build-up. Even as... We understand in our own experiences, and I know I've I've taken this place for quite a few years, and it's it's easier in that way. But then there are circumstances, even now, and I come up before a group of people, and I I shake and I tremble because the hour has come. It's, it's 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 here. It's time to start. So Jesus says, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? He's he's got this battle going on in his very being and in his his heart and his, his whole being. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Like I said in the Garden of Gethsemane, could it be some other way? But the Father. Has instructed him. This is the way it's going to be. And Jesus has has that obedient spirit and nature that he goes ahead with the Father's will. Save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. This is why I'm here. This is why the clock ticked up until this moment for this to happen so he cries out at the very end of this little thought here that we're going through Father glorify thy name number one glorify your name he doesn't say glorify my name we see in we see in the scriptures different places where the name of Jesus is glorified. Here he says, Father, glorify your name or thy name. God speaks from heaven. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it. And I will glorify it again. Nothing's going to change. My name will be glorified. Men can do what they will. Men can put it wherever they want to put it. Do what it what do with it what they will. But my name will be glorified. That is simply the way it will be. I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again people therefore that stood by and heard it said that it thundered and others said an angel spake to him so we see two conditions of heart here when God speaks we see that condition of heart of judgment and it sounds like thunder and it sounds like something we we would just cringe and want to get away from and there there are those that hear the voice of the good shepherd, which is the same voice as the voice our heaven of our heavenly Father, and it says an angel is speaking to him. An angel spoke to him. That's not hard to understand, or to, we don't have to cringe at that. Jesus answered and said, "This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes." God is going to be glorified here. It's going to be the final result of what's happening. It came for your sake. The name of God, our Heavenly Father, is glorified for our sake, for my sake. And I think of that song where it says that when I think of how he came so far from glory, Came and dwelt among the lowly such as I to suffer shame and such disgrace on Calvary, on Mount Calvary take my place. And I ask myself this question who am I? What did I do to deserve it? Who am I that a king? would bleed and die for it's for our sakes these things are happening now is the judgment of this world the prince of this world is cast out when Michael and his angels fought that war in heaven against the devil and his angels Rejoice. We could rejoice every moment of our lives because of that. What it says about that battle it says, Michael and his angels prevailed. They won the battle. They won the battle over death and hell and wrongdoing, all darkness. judgment came into this world a couple of chapters over here it says how how the Holy Spirit will reveal and make us aware of his work it says when he has come speaking of this comforter when he has come he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment Jesus speaks about judgment here. He says, now is the judgment of this world come. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. These are, these are three things that are revealed to us by the work of the Holy Spirit. Judgment, pardon me, first of all, sin, righteousness, and judgment. These things are revealed to us. of of sin because they believe not on me of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more the name of the Heavenly Father is glorified through these things of judgment because the prince of this world is judged he's cast out we can with, with the backing of this word behind us we can identify sin the scriptures that says that there's times in this history of this world where men every every man does what he thinks is right, the right thing to do. He doesn't have any judgment. He just because of his condition of his mind and heart and whatever he thinks this is right or he thinks that's right, and that's what he does. When we put all things up against the light in the power of this word proper judgment will take place things that seem right to man could very possibly be wrong according to the scripture prince of the world is cast out and I if I be lifted up from the earth will draw all men <coughs> unto me this he said signifying what death he should die We know that he says that even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so, and we know how it was that people who were bitten by these serpents or snakes would die unless they looked up to that brazen serpent that Moses had, had made. And I know a very old timer there in Minnesota explained that. How, how brass is made of zinc and copper and zinc is in almost every healing, uh, pill and, and all kinds of things that represents and gives us healing. And, and he pointed out how that, that is so important that Moses made that out of, out of, it says a brazen image. And he, and he pointed out, this old fellow pointed out how, how people have, have uh, called it bronze. And bronze is not, does not have zinc in it. He, he brought it out very, very well that zinc has the, has the healing quality. So it says he says this signifying what death he should die. That people would look, look up to that. Jesus dying on the cross. People answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. How sayest thou the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? They're speaking to Jesus himself and asking him, Who is this Son of Man? It reminds me of Herod speaking to Jesus and asking him, What is truth? He was speaking to truth himself. And he asks, What is truth? This is the darkness that we can be in so easily in our, in our own understanding, or our lack of understanding. So Jesus says, yet a little while the light is with you. Remember how John speaks of the light. And he is a witness to this light. Not the light himself, but he is a witness to this light that's coming into this world. Speaking of his Lord. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. Jesus speaks of the blind leading the blind. And of course we know that the sun can be shining bright. And a blind man is still in darkness that way, physically speaking. It says when the, when the blind lead the blind, they both fall into the ditch. That's, that's all we have to go by. One blind man leading another. Jesus says he is the light. He's our enlightenment. Walk while you have the light. He that walketh in darkness know not, knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have the light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. This text I read, it starts out saying, Jesus answered them saying, the hour is come. And here... If we look into, into the 44th verse, it seems like it's put a little more uh, directly or, anyway, it says he cries out, saying, he cried and said, the 44th verse, he that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. He that se- seeth me, seeth him that sent me. If we have Jesus revealed to us, we also have the living God revealed to us. I am come a light in the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I come not to judge the world, but to save the world. John 3.16 is such a... Such a well-known passage there. I mentioned it here earlier. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. That's not the reason. We know that the Word condemns. Men condemn themselves because of the power and the light of the Word. And the word we see in the first chapter of John is the Lord Jesus Christ. But he didn't come here to condemn, but that the world through him might be saved. Saved from what? Fire and sword, well, possibly, but saved from our sin, saved from our fallen nature. If any man hear my voice, hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath, hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall, shall judge him in the last day. So what he's saying here is that God gives, he doesn't even do the judging. God gives him word, words to speak, words to say. And those words do the judging. The same shall judge him at the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. You might say that's a a pristine example of obedience what the father gives him to do and to say that he does the results as I said this Easter story is a, is a in a sense a bittersweet story but we can rejoice in the sweet side we can rejoice in that side that he did it for me each of us as individuals can say that but this work that, that was accomplished was accomplished for me it's 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 an unbelievable miracle that God can give <coughs> sinful men faith to believe to believe in the work to believe this word believe in the hope of heaven. Believe in all these things. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Shall we close with a benediction? May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up thy countenance unto thee and give thee everlasting peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, amen.
1: But eighty four B